My name is Alice. I worked for the Umbrella Corporation at a secret high-tech facility called The Hive. A giant underground laboratory developing experimental viral weaponry. But there was an incident. The virus escaped and everybody died. Trouble was, they didn't stay dead. Welcome to Now Playing's retrospective series of Resident Evil. You're all going to die down here. Hosted by Player One, Justin. That's right. Star power, bitches. Player Two, Stuart. Congratulations. <laughs> Officially a badass. And Player Three, Arnie. They're stars. They're the best. Join us at NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for a Resident Evil movie review, leading up to Resident Evil, the final chapter. You are going to be in for the fight of your lives. These podcasts contain detailed plot spoilers, mild language, and zombie dogs. This is humanity's last stand. The beginning of the end. Listener discretion is advised. Waiting for a written invitation. Today we're discussing Resident Evil Extinction, starring Mia Jovovich, Oded Fair, Ali Larder, directed by Russell McKay. This is Arnie, the now playing co-host who's not extinct, but possibly on an endangered list somewhere. Stuart in LA. And this is Justin. And it wasn't a guaranteed third film. It wasn't until a year after Apocalypse was released that Screen Gems got the rights to the Resident Evil series and they decided to move ahead with the third film, Resident Evil Afterlife. And nobody's quite sure at what point the name changed to Extinction, but it ended up being called Resident Evil Extinction, again written and produced by Paul W.S. Anderson. Woo, you scared me for a minute. I know that's the name of the movie next week. I'm like, I didn't watch it. Okay. All right. So this is Afterlife originally. And, you know, there's a lot of people that die in this. So I think Extinction is, it seems to be that they're either killing you off or or sending you off. This feels like the end to something. It feels like they didn't have strong feelings like there was going to be any more after this. That was my vibe anyway, coming back to it. Maybe it was my hope. I don't know. You know, it's they had a lot of competition. I keep bringing it up, but zombie movies are only getting more and more popular. Zombies in general, I should say. World War Z is published and is becoming a bestseller. They have a fourth Resident Evil video game out there, along with the first Dead Rising video game. And then, yeah, Romero has come back. You know, he's had his revenge by making his zombie movie again, Land of the Dead. Will Smith had I Am Legend. That was kind of a zombie movie, right? Hey, zombies have been around long enough at this point now that we're getting spoof films like Shaun of the Dead. So, I mean, zombies are in the zeitgeist of the culture at this point. Yeah, I feel like they're really, really big. And they're going to have to do something big to compete. And and they do. I feel like this movie, yeah, they decide to destroy the world. That is the way that they stay competitive. They want to have the biggest apocalypse yet. And maybe it will lead to an extinction. But you got to give it to them. With a third film in the series, creating a trilogy, Resident Evil became the most successful video game-to-movie franchise. Mortal Kombat got two films, Laura Croft got two films, 
even recently Hitman got two films, but the third film in a video game series, especially contiguous and not a reboot like Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li, and they're still only at two films, but here <laughs> they've got a third film in theaters. So there's something to be said that they're singularly the most successful video game franchise. <laughs> that says something, but I'm not sure it's a good thing about them. It may just be that, yeah, video games just aren't working as movies. And that tends to be my vibe here. And, and another thing that's not really working, I brought it up last week, is that female-centric action movie push. Boy, bombing big time at this point. Catwoman was the kickoff. But all of these, like, Oscar-nominated women, Eon Flux, remember that one? Uh, barely. Electra. Oh, God, the treasure. Mm-hmm. Fantastic Four, Jessica Alba, you know, Transformers kind of counts, Megan Fox, Blood Rain, dare, dare I bring up Yui Bowl? Let's no. not, but he, <laughs> you know, he keeps making video game adaptations, but you got to admit, none of them are as good as Resident Evil Apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. I hear I wanted to help out... Mia Jovovich. I wanted to do her a solid. I was wondering, truly, as I was watching the movie last week, I'm like, has she ever done better working with a director that she didn't have to go home and fuck? And so <laughs> I went and I looked at the movie that she made during this period, and who boy, I don't care how bad this franchise gets, it will never, ever be as bad as Ultraviolet. Oh, I saw that way back when. Oh, my God. I saw it because Mia was in it, and mm. I've been enjoying the Resident Evil series, and so that movie looked kind of interesting. I caught it on video, and I think I've primarily purged it from my mind, mm. but I do yes. remember her in it with some kind of... I remember being put off by voiceover <laughs> and... I'm curious to know what yeah what you do remember about it. A lot of techno speak, a lot of vampires. There's a virus as well. It's basically a vampire virus, and the humans are the bad guys, and they walk around with nose plugs, like these silver things yes, in their nostrils yes. that make them sound like this. Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> and they're supposed to be intimidating and all of that. Meanwhile, they're breathing through their mouth. I don't know how they're not acquiring the, you know, just by plugging up the nose. Like, that's the thing that keeps them from turning into a vampire. It is truly, truly one of the most unpleasant movies I've sat through in a long time. I can't imagine Resident Evil ever hitting that Nadir. She is just ridiculous in it. I mean, you know, they made it like it's all video toaster effects, too. Like, the whole thing is Sin City. Like, nothing is real. It's all cheap graphics and and the the world it, it just looks awful it is awful people are always saying these words there's this whole like martial arts style called gun kata where they're trying to do karate chops while firing pistols it is just the worst did you make it to the end credits or did you just give up the more you're reminding me of this the more i'm pretty sure i didn't make it to the end yeah, no, well, it's hard. I mean, I was gagging myself in the dry heaves, but I did cross the finish line because I wanted to give this compliment to this series that, yeah, I mean, that, to me, no Underworld movie, none of that crap that they've tried to put out there that I've called junk, this opened up a seafloor for me. I now see <laughs> what the bottom is, 
and I never want to go near it again. <laughs> the bar can be so much lower. Oh, my God. It is <laughs> truly. And, uh, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, Stuart's going off on it. I have to see that. You've been warned. I don't think anyone will enjoy it. I really feel, again, I'm not saying it's the worst movie of the millennium. It's the most unpleasant movie of the millennium. I had such a bad time watching it. Woo. Eh, I still think that's Superman Returns, but... (laughs) Okay, yeah, well, to each their own. The Superman that didn't happen. (laughs) But she did return for this, and you said, uh, director, she has to fuck. No, she... W.S. Anderson off doing other things, not quite sure what, nothing I saw. Despite loving Mortal Kombat and loving event horizon and liking resident evil i've kind of just boycotted him post avp so i was not following his career however he personally handpicked russell mckay the new director because he really was impressed with his work on movies i hate oh boy such as highlander to the quickening <laughs> Well, be nice. He made the first Highlander 2, and that is a cult item. People really like that movie. I haven't seen it in I don't know when. And he made a lot of cool ladies videos, a lot of Duran Duran. Listed by Anderson was Highlander, but also Highlander 2 was called out specifically. Also called out specifically The Shadow. It's a very stylish looking movie that is incredibly stupid. I have seen it. <laughs> it's awful. It looks great, though. There was one movie listed that I actually do like, Ricochet, that Denzel Washington Ice tea oh. John Lithgow film. Yeah, no, that, I, I can't go with you on that. It was pretty bad. I haven't seen it since I was in college, and I'm talking 1993, but it was on HBO like in rotation, so I probably saw it 20 times that year, and I remember liking it. Okay. Well, he's definitely a director that's been working for a long time. You know, if he was on Highlander, that's early 80s. Yeah, no, yeah. And and again, I mean, I think that he's stylish. I mean, I think you can look music videos. I mean, maybe you don't tell great stories in them, but evocative images that stayed with a whole generation. He did do that. And I think that, yeah, getting someone with visual style, that was a big problem I had with the movie last week. I'm okay if they want to bring a veteran. I think at this point, this series could use some old guard experience. And he's the one who pushed for how this movie looks. Anderson and co-producer Jeremy Bolt, who's been on this series the whole time, they were really pushing for one just like the previous ones had been. McCulley was here saying, I want this one to be all daytime. I want this to be bright. And they're like, it can't be scary. Apparently, none of them had ever seen the remake of Dawn of the Dead, which had plenty of scary daylight scenes. They all thought they were trailblazing a new ground. <laughs> well, I don't know about trailblazing, but I do go along with their instinct to switch up the visual tone of these first couple movies. Yeah, I didn't know that they were going for scary. I mean, that last movie, I can't imagine anybody would call that movie was scary, even if you liked it. And Arnie, you did. And they heard feedback on the last one. There was a conscious decision going into this to make this a hard R, the goriest of all the Resident Evil films. They want to bring some of that back. Mm-hmm. What they ended up making, I mean, we're going to talk about it, but to me, this movie just reeked of Mad Max, and they cop to it in the commentary, but when I'm watching it, I'm just like, 
parallel after parallel after parallel. I don't even know if we, we may have included this in the wrong retrospective series. We should have possibly covered this right before Fury Road. <laughs> you know, and that movie is shooting. What's so funny is Fury Road had such a protracted shooting schedule. They were already five years into production. <laughs> that, that Mad Max 4 was already happening when this movie came out. That kills me. But we've talked about it with this video game movies and, and this series specifically. We're not looking for originality. If they want to take what has been done before and give it a remix, then that's great. I like all the Mad Max films. So if that's what they want to do, I like Aliens. That's great too. I, you know, I remember liking Escape from New York, but boy, I didn't like that movie last week. I like the models that they're choosing. I think that they are selecting genre films that could potentially give them the structure they need if they will listen. I don't know if they're looking for the structure from these films or so much that they're just looking for visual cues. Sure. Which might end up being the ultimate problem with the movies. Mm. But up until this point, Arnie, the first two movies we've come to learn didn't really follow any of the video games as much as they just kind of plucked characters and elements from those games and put them into movies. Is there any point in this series where the video games and the movies are going to match up? Here's how they described it. As, as I mentioned, the first Resident Evil movie was really viewed as a prequel to all the video games. Now, eventually, the games made their own prequel with Resident Evil Zero and Umbrella Chronicles, and they've had a very non-linear timeline of progression. But they saw the first movie as being the beginning that wasn't at that time explained. They viewed Apocalypse as basically being parallel with one of the video games, or really it was their adaptation, very loose adaptation, of Resident Evil Nemesis. Now, what they're saying is they're going beyond the games, beyond where any of the games were at that point. After all the games are done, after Raccoon City got nuked in Nemesis, that actually happened in that video game as well as in the last movie, when you move past all of that and you're just in this post-apocalyptic world. So this is now a sequel to all of the games that have come so far. We are going to introduce a character here that is directly from the games. Allie Lauder plays Claire Redfield, who was in Resident Evil 2 and Code Veronica. She was the character you played, but unrecognizable here. They didn't do the Jill Valentine thing of we're going to make you wear the clothes and we're going to give you a similar plot. They have her here basically by name only, and they said they went through a lot of trouble with hair dye to match the exact red of Claire on the screen, but they did nothing to match anything else. All right, so a little bit of lip service to the fans of the games. You said something that really stuck out to me. I keep getting mad that, like, they won't number these movies, but they number the games, right? So that might be why we don't call this Resident Evil 3, because when you talk about Resident Evil 3, you're really talking about what you've got for PlayStation. But then there's Resident Evil Code Veronica, Resident Evil The Dark Side Chronicles, Resident Evil The Umbrella Chronicles. I have to go to Wiki to figure out the order of the games, too. Oh, God. Really? That many? Okay. But there's the main series, and then there's a bunch of prequels and side missions and things. So the main games are indeed numbered. But in the end, it comes down to Paul W.S. Anderson doesn't like numbers. And he also doesn't like matching the titles with what's going on in the movie. Like, shouldn't the last movie been called Nemesis? 
but they didn't want to use the name from the game. Ah, and also, I guess I read somewhere that Star Trek Nemesis was a failure and they didn't want to be associated with that. That's right. That is what Wiki said. Nobody copped to that on the commentary, but they did say they were going to call it Nemesis and then Star Trek bombed. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Well, you know, Apocalypse wasn't the biggest hit for X-Men, but that came later. (laughs) Maybe they were trying to build on the success of Resident Evil 2. (laughs) Yeah, clearly. But to circle way back around to the original question, there was no thought of really ending a trilogy here. McKay kind of thought he was, but Anderson and Screen Gems, they were already looking forward to parts four, five, six when making part three. So at this point, they're no longer being episodic. They're serializing this story. The cliffhanger that ended last time, they're going to resolve this time. Spoiler alert, we're going to end on a cliffhanger here that they're going to resolve in part four. So... Mm. It's now just an ongoing series. I don't know that they really thought there would be an end or what the end would be, but that's what we're building to is the supposedly final Resident Evil film. I suppose the end is when Mia Jovovich turns 55 and can no longer physically act in these movies <laughs> the way they need her to. Ouch, you make me feel old, Justin. Mia Jovovich at 55 is too old. She's only 40 now. I'm older than she is by a couple of years. <laughs> No, too old to to physically do these stunts that they need her to do. She's still looking good for 40. You know, she's Russian. So, you know, she's going to be like Drago in Rocky IV. She'll still be able to do these stunts at 70. (laughs) Yeah, I would like to take them at their word that it's the final chapter, but it's another chapter and one we're getting closer to. Arnie, why don't you give them the plot? We can get through Extinction. It's been five years since the T-Virus destroyed Raccoon City, but the nuclear bomb didn't stop the virus. It's now gone global and has killed most of the plant life as well as humans. Why didn't it kill it? A nuclear bomb didn't kill the virus? That's an outrageous claim. It's outrageous to think nobody escaped that city. It's outrageous to think perhaps some more zombies crawled out of the ground after the bomb went off. (laughs) How about a dog? Maybe a dog made it out. Okay, sure. Why not? Small tribes of humans now live nomadic life fleeing zombies. One of these tribes has some of the survivors from our previous film. Carlos Oliveira, again played by Oded Fair, and LJ, again played by Mike Epps. And there are about 30 people in the caravan, but the only ones that matter are Cowboy Chase, played by Mortal Kombat! Lyndon Ashby. Teenage Kmart, played by Spencer Locke. (laughs) (laughs) Techie Aussie Mikey, played by Christopher Egan. (laughs) Nurse Betty. No, I'm not talking about the Neil LeBute film, but instead I'm talking about Ashanti. (laughs) Where's Ja Rule? I would have preferred him to freaking Epps. Mike Epps taking away jobs from rappers since 2004. Ja Rule was good in Fast and Furious. (laughs) It's not how I remember it, but please continue. And the group's leader, Claire Redfield, played by Allie Lauder. Alice isn't with this crew as she realized her umbrella programming made her a threat, so she's gone off on her own, suffering nightmares of the umbrella facility. She also has newfound telekinetic powers. Mmm. Yeah, she's learning the ways of the Force. Mm Mm-hmm. And in one stop, she finds a journal that states there's no infection in Alaska, and there are people (laughs) there. And she can see Moscow from her front porch. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, that, okay, we'll get there. All right, please continue. So Alice rejoins the caravan when a group of zombie crows attack and kill Betty, and the caravan votes to go to Alaska in an attempt to find society. They start by going to Vegas for supplies. But Umbrella is watching the group, tracking Alice's psionic abilities by satellite. Dr. Sam Isaacs, played by Elian Glenn, has been working with clones of Alice, none of whom match the original's prowess in battle and are repeatedly killed in a simulation of Alice's original awakening in the Raccoon City mansion. Isaacs has also been working on super zombies that have greater intelligence and can be controlled. They can also use digital cameras, so selfie. When Isaacs detects Alice in Vegas, he goes to oversee an attack of the super zombies. Most of the members of the caravan are killed, including, thank God, LJ, plus Mikey and Chase, and Carlos is bitten. But Umbrella is forced to retreat with Isaacs being bitten by one of his own super zombies. Carlos sacrifices himself to clear a path for the survivors to get to some helicopters, and they flee for Alaska, except for Alice, who stays behind to deal with Umbrella. Upset with Isaacs, Umbrella's chairman of the board, Albert Wesker, played by Jason O'Mara, orders the scientist killed, but he's injected himself with several vials of antivirus, and the mutation has turned him into a tyrant monster. Alice goes to the Umbrella facility and, aided by one of her clones, kills Isaacs. She then calls Wesker at the Umbrella Tokyo office and says she's coming for him as she prepares to wake up dozens or hundreds of her clones as credits roll. Okay, my concerns begin almost immediately, I gotta say. <laughs> like, within seconds, I mean, I get you want to do callbacks and remind people of what they might have forgotten, but we get five minutes of what looks like exactly the first movie, and I just, I'm like, is this filler? Are they just trying to fill out time? I guess they got me. I didn't realize that this wasn't the first movie, but a simulation because they are taking clones of Alice and they're putting her in the scenario where they have no memory, just like she had no memory. Yeah. To see if the clones are as good as she was herself in that first movie. And I got to give the production team some credit because I'm watching this and saying, well, they reuse the footage. This is all newly built sets, newly filmed. They got me in thinking this was a recycled scene. I can't believe how well they reproduced it. I was totally fooled. I thought, you know, we were looking at just footage from the first time, but then maybe they had some cutscenes they didn't use. And then I thought she was going to wake up and there's going to be a dream sequence or a flashback. Mm, I, yeah, I was waiting for that dream wake up. But I, I kind of like what they did here. This device is kind of neat, you know? I mean, it's a neat way to do a flashback without doing a flashback and gives us a little bit of a plot to chomp onto before we jump headlong into zombie carnage. But here's the thing that I'm missing. I get that, yeah, this is a test. What is the result they're looking for? Why would you go to these extremes? Abilities, the same fighting skills as their Alice, their Project Alice. So Project Alice is about recreating the awesomeness of Mia Jovovich. Without saying it, what they're saying is, is the real Alice is almost like the chosen one. And they're trying to replicate what mutation has happened inside of her to make her that chosen one. Because they didn't know when they stuck it in her. Yeah, they don't. I think all of this stuff is experimental. They don't know what any of these viruses are going to do. And I think this particular scientist is infatuated with trying to figure out why Alice 
didn't physically mutate, and she also gained powers from this. Boy, I hate this corporation. It's not even about it being a corporation. They're just, they so don't deserve to dominate the world. (laughs) (laughs) It's the middle management. I think I keep complaining about that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but yeah, as a setup, I mean, I've seen this in a couple James Bond movies. I think they did it in... Oh, what was it? Maybe From Russia With Love? We think we're watching James Bond and then he gets killed and it's a lookalike. I've I've seen it a few times, but it's effective here and I like it. And I'm glad that they were able to tell us the backstory without having, oh, exposition and all of that until we get the exposition in the next scene. So, you know, I read this book, The World Without Us, that did explain what is going to happen to the Earth. Should humanity die? How long it will take for a skyscraper to fall over and streets to crack. Oh, yeah, there was a Discovery Channel special about that, too. It was really interesting. Yeah, I think it was based on that book. And I get that, yes, pretty quickly our accomplishments would be eaten up. But this is five years? Five years and everything's covered in sand? That's just Las Vegas. The planet's plant life has died, but in other areas cities still exist. What they've said is that people went to non-populated areas because if you go to Chicago or something, there's just a shit ton of zombies there because there were so many people there. And so they've gone out to the desert where nobody lived and they just stay on the run from zombies. Now, yes, Vegas is overrun by sand. We'll talk about it. But they claim that's very realistic because there are people whose entire jobs are after sandstorms pushing the sand back out of Vegas. And if you didn't have those people, yes, in five years, Vegas would be pretty covered. I'm going to have a little bit of issue with the the scale and amount of sand that they used in Vegas, but we'll talk about it when we get there. And just to talk about the shooting location, I mentioned last time they shot in Canada in winter and had the girls in really skimpy outfits. Well, they decided to move the shoot this time to Mexicali, in the midst of summer, and so every day is like 130 degrees. So, welcome back, cast members. You've gone from freezing to frying. (laughs) So, when we see Alice, the real Alice, not the one that's getting dumped in the bin of dead clones, she has become Mad Max on a motorcycle. She is cruising the highways, which are not covered in sand, And I think we see that she's up at Salt Lake City at the start of this movie helping people. She hears a radio broadcast. She comes to their aid. And in fact, it's just a trap that a bunch of hillbillies are wanting to rip people off. I think they're wanting to rape people off. That guy was going for his belt. Well, that guy, but there's... There was a whole family there. I'm not sure. I mean, I was getting a real Texas Chainsaw remake vibe out of this whole thing. Out of the help my baby and the baby's a doll and yeah. this whole group of pervy people. I don't know. It was just Little hills have eyes going on without the radiation deformities. Mm-hmm. But this, this part of the movie is where I really thought it was going to go off the rails. Every character in this scene is just so overdone and so over the top that I was immediately taken out. You know, whatever goodwill the beginning of this movie set up with me in having a nicer look, a faster pace, a little bit more tight movement is blown right out of the water when this toothless old lady is just cackling like she's in a movie straight from 
1973. It was just, oh. Hey, they were going for a 70s vibe, so congratulations. <laughs> they got it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I you know, I know Omega Man and all those post-apocalyptic movies and Mad Max being one of them and all that. And I get that, yeah, people turn on each other. It gets ugly here. But not a lot of fun to watch. I think what it does is, yeah, when you introduce rape and and the seediness of the of the trap, the fun vibe gets killed pretty quickly here. But I do want to point out something you said, Justin, which is that I do think this movie looks a whole lot better than either of the previous movies. And that is helping me a lot stay with this film, even though, yeah, I don't really like this reintroduction to Alice. I'll agree that I can tell there's somebody with a better eye at the helm. That said, the washed out look they use for most of this ends up grating on me and feels very monotonous by the end of the film. But here in this scene, I wish that it was setting up more than just society is broken. This has no follow up later on. It exists only to introduce Alice as a badass because there's no way she should be able to get out of this. But with one kick, she kills her rapist and then is able to take out all these other people despite the fact that they're armed and she's not but we never have more of this kind of roaming band of bad people this is in fact other than umbrella the only bad humans we're going to see in this movie oh there is a payoff though she gets those knives she's going to get a new weapon here and so you know she takes away that she's got one for each hand and we also get our you know zombie dog moment they get it out of the way early here that she's actually to be torn apart by them as a game i suppose and she turns it around and has the zombie dogs take out a few of the hillbillies we also get our first what i feel is going to be quite a few star wars references here we're kind of skipping over that she not only killed that first guy, but then they knock her out and she wakes up basically in a rancor pit <laughs> surrounded by dogs for their amusement. They're watching and cheering on and she has to escape that pit. So, you know, she gets out of there kind of luckily too, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't sure if that was her plan or whatnot, but she ended up tying some wires around a few of the dogs who end up pulling a few bolts out of a, a structurally unsound yeah bar that took the whole place down yeah like gave her a way out and brought things down it was very crafty i thought it was cute that she just put leashes on the dogs mm -hmm. <laughs> and the leashes are like made out of like electrical wire that should be frying them but uh yeah it's it's a, she's talented i'll give her that alice can do a lot of things i wouldn't suspect and you said that they kind of reduced violence on the dogs. Here you get a really gory dog impaling with the guts flying at the screen. It's giving me a taste of the 3D. The next two films will be coming in because I could see those guts be coming out in the future. She kicks another dog in the face. Not quite as cool as the original, but the dog does get kicked. And then they just bring out more dogs. Yeah. Still no poodles or anything, though. We're still in the Doberman junkyard dog type of breeds here i think it's because they're sticking with what the video games did in the video games they designed one character model for the dog and you just kept fighting it <laughs> it begs the question why is she alone and that movie is going to play with that a long time a long time and yet I don't feel like it ever really pays off. When we left the last movie, she had the umbrella logo flashing in her eyes. She'd been quote unquote rescued by her friends. Jill Valentine, gone from this movie. I guess she was busy making Aragon. 
Hmm. Maybe she just didn't want to come back, and that's a convenient <laughs> excuse, as there's another actor in this movie who was also in Aragon, but... <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> uh, then I'm unavailable. I'm shooting Aragon. All right. Well, we have your co-star. <laughs> Maybe he was a mi- more minor role and it didn't conflict shooting. But <laughs> and so I expected that when we picked up, she was going to be a bad person, at least for the beginning. Maybe the plot of the movie is turning her back to the good side, having her break her conditioning or her programming. Hell, we learned in this movie there are clones. When we saw Alice after that helicopter crash, she was pretty much a corpse. Is this even the real Alice, or is this clone prime? I don't know that we'll ever know an answer, but... We just cut to her being alone in the desert, and later we find out just through dialogue that one morning they woke up, she was gone, she knew she was a weapon and left to protect them. That's a really anticlimactic way to deal with that cliffhanger. Yeah, there needs to be something dramatically that transpires in order for that to happen. But I think Mad Max, you know, he would have his adventures with people and then he would. He'd just slink off and he wouldn't actually go with the people. He'd help them get to where they're going and accomplish their needs and then wouldn't take credit, wouldn't even get sentimental about it. She is the road warrior. That's what we're to understand now. Yeah, and I'm fine with dropping that plot line and pushing us five years into the future. Mm, What I'm not fine with is why they felt like in this post-apocalyptic world, why she's going to end up hooking back up with two people that she knew five years ago. Like, I feel like bringing Carlos back and bringing LJ back is completely unnecessary here. I'll agree with LJ. (laughs) I've never liked him. I never will like him. Here's what I would say. This feels to me like they're bringing a lot of people back to say goodbye. And it kind of reminds me of like when Fast and the Furious, I think it was four. They just called it Fast and Furious. They were recovering from an unpopular episode. They thought this was probably just, we're going to go out on a higher note. We don't want to end on the sour one. That's what I'm getting the vibe for here. Let's bring everyone back that we can and let's give them a moment to shine and that's why we have a caravan of way too many characters (laughs) that are yeah in parallel while she's slinking around elsewhere she's listening to the radio broadcast while they're foraging through motels and again having no clear direction about where they're going i don't think this helps the series at all that they won't confine them to a certain building or structure or something having them just wander aimlessly is not the way to go and they don't wander to that many places either they're pretty much out in the desert and then finally they go to vegas but i think part of the reason you bring back characters i don't know why lj legitimately he's a creation for that second movie. We don't bother to bring back Angela, the little girl. We don't know what happened to her. I'm guessing zombie crusader. Or the fucking antivirus. (laughs) 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 I'm sure they've used that all up by now. I mean, God, Carlos got scratched last time, got cured. He's going to get scratched this time. How many times has he needed to be cured in between? This guy's just injury prone. But Carlos was a major video game character, and they wanted Jill Valentine back. I think it's important to keep video game characters in this movie about the video games. And Alice isn't in any of the games. So if you're going to try to tie to some of these games... Carlos being back is an important tie. Okay. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. It took me till 
late in the hotel scene to even realize that Carlos was a character from the last movie. That's how little impact he had on me from that. It's Oded Fair. He was awesome in the last movie. <laughs> yeah, don't you know this is the guy that can literally just walk on screen and be amazing, apparently. <laughs> He's just oozing with charisma. Hey, go watch Deuce Bigelow. <laughs> and worse still... This plot that they give LJ about how, all right, so, you know, he, he gets confused. He shoots a mirror reflection instead of the zombie coming at him from behind. Which was kind of cool staging, but yet really stupid if you think that would actually happen. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, but I've never walked into a mirror and go, that's not a door. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it happen. There was a legitimate jump scare there for me, though. That first zombie gave me a, a legitimate jump. The sheriff zombie? Yes. Yeah, but come on. I mean, this whole thing of like he gets bit and not tell them. And then I think days pass. Like, I don't know when he's going to turn, but they really milk that much like Alice wandering the desert. I don't know when it's going to get to where we all know it needs to. But she does find that journal. And <laughs> I don't know why you'd trust random journal found on yes. <laughs> that. Yeah, she goes to a gas station, kills the attendant, goes in the back, spits out uh, hundreds of flies that are back there. So we know that there are corpses we do not see. They have a homemade cut out. You know, it looks like a scrapbook, really. I, I guess you would trust it because they know where the Umbrella Lab is. And since that ends up being true, the fact that they're talking about sanctuary in Alaska must also be true. I guess I'm not so far down on the idea of being nomadic until finding the perfect place to settle down in the apocalypse. I mean, I, I'm guessing neither of you guys are really into Walking Dead. I like the comic. I used to watch it. I gave up after the girl came out of the barn. I was just like, that took way too long. Oh, yeah. Sure. That was long. But, I mean, outside of all the things that they put in the way of the group we're following, all we're doing is basically wandering around looking for a place to settle down until it all goes to shit. So, I'm okay with the idea of, you know, once... The whole grid has gone down, just wandering around looking for the good place or a sanctuary. And, you know, what else have you got to do than try for it if somebody might have put plans together? See, I'm very much in the what else have you got? They even have that conversation of, you know, maybe Alaska's got sanctuary Maybe it doesn't, but at least it gives us hope and it gives us something to do instead of just driving around and slowly dying every time we stop. And they did this in Beyond Thunderdome. I remember the kids wanted to go to Sydney because of something, some cave painting or something. I can't even remember. Don't think I wasn't writing in my notes, did they fly to Sydney when they leave Alice behind and we never see them again and they take a helicopter? <laughs> I mean... That's going to be really cold. Even if it is a sanctuary, they're really going to regret not... Not being in a motor vehicle, but okay. I think after the 130 degree temperatures, they might enjoy it for a while. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you can't get to Alaska from Las Vegas on one tank of helicopter gas. <laughs> no, no. Stop but... in Seattle. Oh my God. We'll talk about that. I'm, I'm tabling. God damn it. I'm tabling Vegas. Because you know, that was the big tease in the advertisements. I don't remember much about this movie coming out, but I remember like Vegas was the selling point in the trailers anyway. So, okay, we'll get to Vegas, but I want to be clear. I don't want to say that I'm complaining that these people haven't found a home yet. I think that's 
logical, all right, you're right, you would you would stick on the road until you felt like you had a place that you could defend and wanted to be for a while. What I'm saying is this series in general, if you're going to juggle this many characters and there's no clear sense of what where they're going, it just continues to feel formless. It becomes impossible for me to follow and to know that one of them is bit and we're just waiting and waiting and waiting for them to change. That takes so fucking long. I felt I was watching The Walking Dead. I mean, when somebody gets scratched or bitten in a zombie movie, they have 30 minutes max before an inopportune moment comes for them to turn. Can I tell you something? I watched this movie three times for this review. Once with like the picture and picture commentary, once regular taking my notes, once with the regular commentary, all three times. I can't tell you when LJ finally zombies out. It happens in the middle of a big action scene where it doesn't fucking matter. I've never seen his death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, he never really zombies out. He just kind of turns green or purple. <laughs> yeah, and gets thrown out and shot in the head real easy. I had to fast forward to look on a fourth viewing for that scene. But he spends this whole movie <laughs> scratched, and he's supposedly... <laughs> I guess having a relationship with Betty, the nurse, played by Ashanti, and they're going to get attacked by crows. He's going to let her sacrifice herself while he's already terminal. I mean, <laughs> he is going to bury her knowing that he is a zombie. That is just wrong. I mean, that is that is an etiquette. People, they, they need to write that as a book. Like, if you know you're a zombie, you don't go to funerals. That's just it's wrong. Yeah, I mean, if he was supposed to be a good character, he shouldn't sit there the whole time coughing and retching and going, it's the pork and beans. (laughs) Yeah, but that's just one character I hate. Can we talk about another? Not yet. I want to stay with him for a second because on one of the commentaries, they were discussing Oded Fair saying how he went to Anderson and said, thank you for such a great death. And the producer then said, yeah, another actor, I won't say who, came to me with all these different ways that he was just scratched and can he live he wanted to come back for another sequel well who got scratched oh yeah you mike Epps, get the fuck off the stage (laughs) (laughs) yeah it almost feels like mike Epps is back just because he hounded somebody on the production team to let him back in because i mean this whole beginning feels like even the wranglers of this movie feel like there's way too many characters to deal with and they cannot wait to start killing them off in droves. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out who matters. I know Ali Lauder matters because I've seen the Final Destination movies, which were out by this point, and later, of course, she'd be in Heroes very shortly after this film. She's set up as the leader. I know Oded Fair matters because he just oozes charisma. The rest of them, yeah. All right, now, Stuart, let's go to your favorite special K. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. K-Mart. I mean, I do I do feel like this must have been a tough audition to be able to be like, okay, you hate your name, and you were found in a K-Mart being attacked by shopping zombies, and you allowed other people to just refer to you from now on as that embarrassing, bankrupt discount retail store that everyone in the 80s, including Rain Man, made fun of. <laughs> Did she say she hated her name? I thought, like, they didn't know her name, and they found her in Kmart. No, she knows her name. She never liked it, is what she said. I don't know what the fuck it is. 
I mean, how could it be worse than Kmart? Again, you know what? I said Special K, <laughs> but wasn't there like a rapper named Special K around this time and a vitamin C? You know, in the early 21st century, grab a brand name or apparently a mineral and it's cooler than whatever you were born as. So Kmart, <laughs> go for it. I get the sense that she is either a daughter figure or a lover figure for the other blonde, but I don't... Uh, relationships don't matter in this, and don't they talk about her being attracted to Oded Fair, and he's like, but she's so young? I can't tell you what they're talk about here. I, I The only relationship that I can really pick up on is LJ and Betty, and I watch some of the cutscenes where they're even, like, another retail plug, but they talk about how he used to work in a women's shoe store at Walmart. I'm like, well, at least that got cut. Did he say Walmart? I saw those scenes. I just heard women's shoes, but... Yeah. But I don't know how they could just go through a whole movie with a character named Kmart, but not saying she's having a blue light special because she's half off. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Here's the problem. When George Romero sticks characters in the mall, it's called satire, and he's talking about consumerism, and there's a point to it. When these characters are sitting around talking about, I want to be called Kmart, it's because they don't either have the budget or the know-how about where to take them. This is not where an action movie should be spending its time. We do not feel empathy for these people. We want to see numbers whittled down. And it takes a really long time before they're visited by zombie crows. I gotta give them credit for the zombie crow ideas. I mean, birds do pester you at times in the game, and I thought that was a pretty inventive scene. and A familiar one. I mean, they... Yeah, nice updating of some Hitchcock. Yeah, I mean, they take a shot. Now, Hitchcock never staged an action scene quite like this. This is way over the top. I mean, a shootout with these kinds of birds. I mean, what is the point, really? I mean, like, you're trapped in a school bus with, like, a raging, what, 300 birds coming at your face and you've got a gun. I mean, why not turn it on yourself? There's no way that you're going to take out. <laughs> the amount of ammo you're wasting is astonishing, yeah. especially since Resident Evil games are predicated upon you not having enough ammo. Like, the whole point of the game is you have to use your bullets sparingly, and here they are shooting at birds. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't do that in the game. But I like the scene. I like the little red eyes on the crows and... I like Alice's return. Now, she has psychic powers. She's having visions when her clones are being killed back at Umbrella. And because of her connection to Carlos from the first film, she sought him out so that the two of them could go off to Alaska together. She's heard them on the radio. They've broadcast where their coordinates are. Maybe she stays in the proximity so that she can maybe look after them. But she sees the birds. She actually, we have a scene of her wandering in the desert. One of many, I want to add. <laughs> but she sees that big flock going, and I think she's curious. So I get the sense that she's never really wandered that far away from that crew. I feel like she's always just kind of Stalked off them? in the distance. <laughs> maybe guardian angeling them a little bit. And this is like the first time that they've really run into trouble and needed her assistance. But she said she left because she was a danger to them. So being so close isn't really good. It doesn't even help. I mean, I don't even understand. Are they or are they not tracking her on satellite? I don't. She puts like a canvas over her sometimes and that stops it or something. I they track her when she uses her psionic powers and that happens in her sleep. She has a nightmare and she telekinetically moved her motorcycle. That's the only time? 
That was the way that they were going to keep track of her. That was why they let her go from the Detroit lab. It seemed like at the time they had better control than that. But when this movie starts, yeah. Yeah, she just basically comes online every once in a while. And from the different points, they can kind of triangulate where she might be. But she's not a robot. Uh, not, th- not that we know. Okay. She might be a clone. She's definitely genetically modified. And she's got psychic powers, but she's not a robot. Or a cyborg. <laughs> Meanwhile, the people that had this grandmaster plan, we, we cut back to him every now and then. And I do not understand all of these holographic meetings he's having with the people that are in other bunkers elsewhere in the world who are, you know, basically saying what, what we can all see. Yeah, the world is going to hell. Albert Wesker. Now, here is a very important character. He kind of just looks like Agent Smith mixed with douchebag, kind of a young programmer who doesn't take <laughs> off his sunglasses in this movie. I called him Colonel Sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> and he's described as the chairman of the board, but he is in a number of the video games. He was in the original Resident Evil he was also in George Romero's script for that that was unmade, and he was a bad character there. Well, yes, every character from that original game was in that script, as I understand it. Yeah, I guess so. And he was a double agent. He was the one who, like, was your commanding officer, and then it turned out he was an undercover agent for Umbrella all along. He's in charge of their special projects division. He is not the head of Umbrella in the games, but he is a recurring villain again and again and again. He is like the big bad of those games. And now he's going to become the big bad of these series. They're setting him up here to play a larger role in the Resident Evil films. He's already been seen in the trailers for the upcoming sixth film. Okay. Okay. And see, having not seen this series before, I got the sense that this guy is going to play a bigger part. And in the previous couple movies, or especially the last one, I was complaining that Umbrella felt like it was all happening from just like lower level people. And we don't really know what's going on above them. And even though I don't think this, you know, Colonel Sunglasses is the top, tippity top of Umbrella Corp. I feel like he's higher up than anybody we've seen before. And maybe has some sort of, I don't know if a master plan is the right word, but at least trying to get his arms around what's going on. Yeah, if he's got a plan, he's hidden it really well. I don't know what the hell these people hope to do. I know that that she's having psychic bursts, and he's like, well, is it 100% that it's her? And the other guy would be like, well, not 100. He's like, well, then don't go. Do you want her or not? Is she the cure or not? What... I cannot figure out what anyone is trying to do behind the scenes. I hate that they keep trying to make Umbrella Corporation the bad guys. The world has fallen apart. It no longer matters if there's a corporation in place or not. They're not trying to do what Romero did and have a social commentary where the zombies are a force of nature. This is an action film. You need to end by kicking somebody's ass or killing them or preferably both. And so... You need a human face that caused all this. Umbrella is the villain in all the games and will be the villain in all of the movies as well. And that's just how this universe is set up. I'm not opposed to it. I wish Umbrella seemed more competent. We've talked about it in every movie. Yeah. But in this movie, it became ultimately apparent that if this Wesker guy is in charge and he's 
I think they're trying to make him Darth Vader because eventually they're going to have him attempt to kill this movie's bad Dr. Sam Isaacs, who is the researcher with all of the Alice clones who just... Yeah, he has like this Nazi mass grave of all of the various Alice's and he just keeps bringing them out and watching them fail. And he's attempting to make a super zombie. This is the most fun scene of the movie for me is when he is in with a couple other researchers and they have basically this movie's version of Bub from Day of the Dead. And he's there. He's able to solve puzzles. He takes a photo and then he gets frustrated with one of the puzzles and eats the scientists. <laughs> I, I mean, I, if this is your favorite scene, that's not uh, telling that you like this movie very much. I no, mean, I don't. No, yeah. but it's my favorite scene. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you you called it out already. I mean, this is they're doing Day of the Dead now. That we're now watching a research facility where the zombies outnumber the humans, and nobody's sure what's going to happen yet. And it's getting stir crazy down there, and they're just kind of toying around with 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 comic relief is basically what it is. Is but I do feel like they're giving us a little bit more to chew on plot-wise here. They're not just saying there's a cure, we're looking for a cure. The whole idea behind what Dr. Isaacs is doing is, yes, he's trying to replicate whatever it is that Alice has, which may then be a cure for the infected. But along that path, he's come along a way to, he can't save the people that have already turned and are infected, but he can maybe make them docile and less dangerous. Yeah. Which... I think is that's something to sit with for a while. That that makes the zombie invasion a little more fun, or at least another angle to look at it from. But obviously, the the experiment fails pretty spectacularly. But it doesn't really fail, because what he wanted was a super zombie to use as a weapon. He's looking to weaponize them. And so, in his mind, that's a success. The fact that he lost a couple of lesser scientists, well, collateral damage. Cost of doing business. But is he trying to make it more docile or, or not? No, he's trying to make it controllable. I guess more domesticated. Yeah, like like an attack dog, I guess. I did kind of go back to that movie Fido. I don't like it, but that was what I was thinking of when they make them like cart boys in parking lots. And You know, they did a lot. Shaun of the Dead did that. I mean, I feel like uh, George Romero's Land of the Dead. I mean, I do feel like people were trying to find a new twist on zombie conditions and can you live with it is there a way to accept them as a, a new class of people sell stephen king's book i remember oh yeah that can be dramatically unsatisfying particularly if you're like me and you came here for some suspense weak comedy and the idea that I, they could be domesticated sounds too goofy to me i just i'm not jiving with this vibe at all Here's where I get lost. I watched the deleted scenes. There was quite a bit more of this smart zombie that helped at least pay it off. But right now, it's a big leap from that one scene that we have where he's solving puzzles to much later in the film where Isaacs shows up in the heat of battle with a truckload of super zombies. And yes, one of them is that zombie. And But you've got to really be paying attention to the zombie makeup to notice that and... Oh, I just figured those were all just prisoners because they were all pretty much shaven head with 
jumpsuits on. Ah, but this is where fast zombies come in. All of the zombies so far have been Romero-esque shambling zombies. They modernize and go to the 28 Days Later zombies with the smart zombies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed that. that They do pick up the speed. And I was a little unclear about what these super zombies were and all of that. But that was part of the of whatever was going on with this experiment. I I didn't see that demonstrated before. But No, you don't. You're supposed to be shocked when fast zombies show up. Okay. All right. I'll agree. This is all ridiculous, but we're in it now. And I appreciate... <laughs> you know, introduction of new types of zombies in this universe that we're currently living in. But what about all of the heroes? Are you able to find enjoyment in that? Because, Justin, I hear what you're saying. You're in the unenviable position I was in last show defending Apocalypse. But come on, this caravan of courage is really sucky. <laughs> i'm not gonna sit here and defend any of these characters but i will say as a whole they all seemed individual enough that i could tell them apart much more so than in the last movie where i think most of those characters just kind of bled together and by the end of it i didn't care who lived or who died this time around i feel like they're all individual enough that i can at least have an investment visually with who's who really because i'm gonna test this Pop quiz, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Who is Chase? I know. I... (laughs) Okay, I don't know if I know their names, (laughs) but visually... Was he the school bus driver with the the newsy hat? Yeah, he was the cowboy. Yes. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Chase is kind of a cowboy name. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't mean to, like, call you out, except I'm writing down all these names pretending that they matter. Chase stood out to me because I knew the actor from Melrose Place and Mortal Kombat. But I'm like, am I really supposed to get a lot? I mean, they give Kmart a lot of scenes, but they don't give her a lot of character. And Mikey? He's in a news van. I think that he... He does the radio broadcast. I mean... Right. Ultimately, I, what I think what I'm saying is, is instead of this cop or that stars member or this military guy, now we're talking people that at least are multiculturally different. You know, if you were said there's a cowboy guy, I'd be like, oh yeah, the cowboy guy. Or there's the bus driver guy or the tech guy or LJ again. You know, it's not, it's just not a team of commandos again. And I feel like there's a little bit more to hold on to there. From a story standpoint. I'll agree with that. I do feel like it's a better cast of characters than last time by like, a, you know, modicum, like barely, like you're barely moving anything, but it's an inch in the right direction, but not enough, not enough for me to be excited that I want them to get to Alaska. And this whole idea that Alice doesn't want to go, but is going to help pump gas. This is stupid. <laughs> They they have to go to the Luxor for gas. How are they driving around if they have no gas? <laughs> and, you know, forget the sand coming in. They have pushed the casinos together much more closely than they are. Let me tell you, you think you can walk that strip, but there is a mile distance between each casino. I have walked that strip. It is long and hot, but I have walked it. <laughs> Yeah, well, you can, but it's good exercise. I mean, the the idea that they put their sniper up on the Eiffel Tower and they make it seem like he can shoot people that are down by the Luxor, no. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, they they microized 
Vegas the same way Vegas microized New York, New York. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that part bothered me a, a little bit. I mean, I appreciate the effort and they, they hit enough of the iconic landmarks that somebody who is passingly familiar with Vegas would think, okay, that's neat. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like the Planet of the Apes kind of reference that they use the Statue of Liberty, but it's the New York, New York one. Was That was a funny joke. I, I'll give them that part. But the more the scene goes on, it just really feels like a set thrown in the middle of the desert mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. what really ends up killing it for me. That and a lot of CGI extensions and... Yeah, I like the concept. I like the visual. It was great in the trailer. It's not so great in the movie. And there's just too many people on this caravan that are nameless, faceless. They're trying to run from point A to point B. And I wish that they had just narrowed it down to characters who really matter. Yeah, I, if you're not going to kill them, I don't know why you have 40 characters on screen. That doesn't make any sense. And they kill some, but who? Why do we care? It's just body count yeah they kill a lot of them and this scene just goes on for way too long like first of all that cargo container had what like 300 400 zombies in it somehow i mean there was just a non-ending stream of these super zombies and the plan was help me out here umbrella wants to infect these caravan people or test them and they were the ones to test it on i they want alice oh brother God, all right. Why doesn't she go work for them? If she could be the cure, why wouldn't she go do that? Well, we got three or four more movies to maybe for her to reach that conclusion. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, you'd think that she would actually want to develop a cure. You'd think there was a cure. Hasn't there always been a cure? I want to just run and scream and drag Anderson and just shake him and say, does the cure work or not? Does the antivirus exist or is it a hoax? Because they have waffled on that about six times now. There is No, there's always been a cure. Well, and yet we have characters say things like, it doesn't work, or I'm not willing to risk it, or... Well, that was in the first movie. No, and it was in the last movie. The woman jumped off the building, infected, and said, there's no hope. Well, she wasn't in the know. She was a civilian. How do you know she wasn't in the know? I don't even know who the hell she was. I'm taking it she was a civilian, <laughs> but we know there's a cure because Carlos is still around. He was bit last movie. He got cured. Yeah, exactly my point, that if a cure exists, the fact that he's trying to create a cure with these clones and all of this shit, I know that it's a different thing, the super zombie thing. It's, again, I'm really frustrated because their villains are so bent on the worst impulses that, yeah, he's not going to be a scientist that's going to try and help humanity. He's trying to think of a weapon because, of course, what are we going to do is have a war after everyone is dead. That's just the most important thing you could develop right now. I'm sure there will be a lot of contracts around the world for people signing up for super zombies. Actually, at this point, I think a weapon would be the most important thing to find a weapon to protect you from the zombies. If you have a super weapon that can protect you and your, what, fiefdom, then I think you'd make a lot of money by people who want to survive and are wealthy. I don't know exactly what you do with money in a post-apocalyptic society. Mm-mm. Or how you print it, or yeah, exactly. It, it has no value at all. Right. I, mean, I think I follow the impulse Stuart's following here, because it's they're, they're not even setting up that, you know, since the planet has been decimated and taken over... That just even basic resources are becoming scarce. That should maybe be what, you know, Umbrella is all about is 
gathering up resources and making sure that they can have food and just basic necessities. But you're right. Why are they continuing to perfect the zombie? I think they have bigger things to worry about. Yeah, it's really stupid. You know what's really stupid? Is if you're a research scientist who decides to go into the middle of a goddamn battle zone to see how well your weapon works instead of just watching on a monitor. <laughs> well, he gets the punished for that because we have this kind of strange scene where Alice has stopped. She's like a robot and they turn her off and her eyes go all umbrella e and then she decides to send her psychic powers up into the satellite and destroy the microchip and run up and well she doesn't really hurt him she just kind of chases him into the chopper and then a super zombie hurts him right because we don't want alice to be bad and hurt humans is that the point i couldn't figure it out i don't know i'm kind of guessing yeah she wanted to save the helicopter oh. so they could use it yeah, they do have to go on a helicopter run later, so... I don't know why they have six vehicles. Why not get the gas? They have a gas tanker, and they're going to ruin it. In the next scene, they're like, oh, let's sacrifice the thing that will carry the most gasoline. Great idea. Well, because they're going to fly there. Do you, have you tried to drive to Alaska when chased by zombies? I imagine... Fl You're going to fly in that, in that helicopter. That's the plan. <laughs> and there, there's so many survivors. How do they all get in one helicopter? Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about when they left Vietnam. Like 30 people hanging off of this. Thing. Give me a good luck to you. You might as well just drive into the ocean. Yeah, I thought I missed something at one point. I thought all the kids on the bus had maybe died or that bus blew up or something. But nope, they pop up again when it was convenient after all the fighting's done. Like, the kids were never in danger. I think Kmart and Claire and, yeah, a bunch of school children all survive. And then everybody else, not so much. I was surprised they killed Carlos because I honestly had this belief coming out of the last movie that everyone's dead unless you're in a game or you're LJ. And... Carlos, being such a major figure in the game, he gets bit again, but they cured him last time, and Alice is all like, we'll cure you again, and he's like, no, just just give me a stick of dynamite in the tanker, I'll go and sacrifice myself, and admittedly, no cure is readily available, but I didn't expect them to kill him. Plus, he's my second favorite character of the series so far, so I'm sad to see him go. But now we're in a series where cloning is a real reality, and so nobody's ever really dead. Like, I can see any of these characters that have been killed off popping up later on in the series, just for the sake of popping up, you know? Because it's a video game. You hit restart, and your guy's back to life. Well, we've now seen that they have cloning capabilities that are pretty quick and effective. I mean, we have at least 200 Alice's. You're telling me that LJ may not be dead? That is like the worst news I've gotten all damn day. I don't think anybody would have cloned him. <laughs> He's useless. Ashanti can come back and sing the theme song. That'll be great. I, I'm so excited. I mean, damn, he lost two G's in Vegas back in the day. Mm -hmm. What was that line? Who wrote that and why was it said? You know what? He's not coming back. He's too busy playing Uncle Buck on the Uncle Buck TV series. Canceled. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe we'll make another Friday movie and he can be in that. But yeah, I, he sacrifices himself. And I mean, if you didn't get fucking mad max by the time a tanker's being driven up to some gates you had to see it i mean if you've ever heard of mad max you've seen this 
Yeah, and again, that's I like that they're doing movies that I like, and that should be fun. But it just is so dumb. It's just such a dumb waste of the character. And I guess I didn't understand that they were flying a chopper to Alaska. You can drive to Alaska, by the way. It I is know, actually, but it takes a while, and there's zombies. Yeah, which is why you would take a lot of gasoline. But hey, go your own way. Good luck to you guys. Goodbye, kids. Well, I do like the way he goes out. I like the explosion. And if you're going to go out, I agree with the actor. It's kind of a cool way to go that his sacrifice allowed the survivors to all fit in one helicopter. Yeah, sure. I mean. Hey, and it worked. It worked for me. You're right. He sacrifices himself and it made me realize that this guy was a major character. You know, up until this point, I wasn't really sure, but I'll give it to him. You finally see what I see with Oded Fair. Well, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a fun scene. But you know what? Don't you feel like, you know, what happens in Vegas should stay in Vegas? Like, the fact that we have to go to the underground bunker feels like a climax too far. Like, we should have finished it all up. Gas or no gas. It should have been about, you know, battling in the casinos. That it ends up just being Alice running around another lab with the evil guy's fingers choking her seems like not the right instinct for a big blowout. Well, and now she's working with the new version of the Red Queen. I believe it's the White Queen. Yes. Helping her out. You know, they even talk about what happened the first time around. And Yeah. That, again, they're still acting like the Red Queen failed. She didn't. Well, I like the line, I knew your sister, she was a homicidal bitch, and the White Queen's like, she just did what she thought was right. The White Queen defends her. And the White Queen has been kind of hanging out the whole time, helping out Isaacs. Not as good of an actress for the White Queen as we had with the Red Queen. This one, I could even tell a couple of times they spliced some of her performances together and some of her line deliveries. But I think you've just got to have a British kid in a Resident Evil movie. That's what I'm going with now. Are they going to do this every time? I know we see more children. I don't know if it's every movie, but I know we see more. You know, this climax is what told me that I never want to see Hollywood do Akira. Akira was one of my favorite comic books, and it was about psychic kids that, yeah, they go all crazy and fight, you know, kind of monstery things at the end here, and they've optioned it a million times, and I always think, oh, God, if only they'd make it. And then, you know, it probably would just end up looking like this shit. I mean, this climax is lousy. Don't tell me that you love this monster. This monster actually is okay for me because this is the final boss from the very first Resident Evil game, and then they became a pretty constant enemy in the others. They call it just the Tyrant Monster. I kind of thought the Tyrant was all the mutant classifications, but no, this is the Tyrant, half human, half whatever, shooting out his tentacles. I'm not a fan of Isaacs as a villain, but here, when he's got those tentacles going and the fact that he's mutated because of the super zombie plus the anti-serum, I kind of feel a little bit ridiculous when he's like, I no longer need you, Alice, as the future of humanity. I'm the future of humanity. I'm like, so the future of humanity's not getting laid a lot, but... <laughs> <laughs> this character is, like Arnie said, ridiculous. I mean, he looks ridiculous and he acts ridiculous, but... I'm going along with it. They gave him enough of a, a reason for why he looked like that. He he was infected, and instead of, 
you know, just taking the cure that you're always looking for, Stuart. He took way too much of it. And this is the result. Well, he needed it because of the super zombie infection. He was infected differently. Well, he said he needed it. We don't know that. He may have gone too far. All right. I'm, right? I'm just taking him at his word, but I don't know why. He's Umbrella. I can't trust him. <laughs> right. I think he might have just got power hungry at some point during that, taking the cure. But yeah, th- it, this ends up in a boss fight. But, you know, <laughs> if we're going to go to a boss fight and end the video game, I appreciate some of the callbacks. We end up back in the laser grid hallway this time. Yeah, because he's unkillable. And no matter what she does, he keeps coming. When they get back in that hallway, I knew where they were going to go, and I love it. And she also has woken up one of her clones at this point to help her. And they've already done some face pasting in these films. I don't know why they have to do old school split screen where every time you see one, you only see the back of the other's hair. But... I was really thinking, because she says we're both going to die, I thought it was the clone sacrificing herself, but I guess it was the real Alice, and the clone was outside, and she was the one who activated the grid. Yeah, I thought, see, I would have thought that would have been the the White Queen doing that. Like, she was all about helping, so I don't know why she wouldn't have been the one controlling the grid, but apparently a laptop just outside is all you need to... A Sony Vio, specifically. Oh, geez, there's so much Sony product placement throughout this movie. I'm not loving the idea that she's going to be with a whole bunch of clones of herself. This is really where they're going. That's the setup. Well, you got to admit it's a hook, right? When I saw this initially, when it first came out on video, this was the last one I watched before my marathon. But I saw this one on video, and I remember thinking, there's no way they're going to pick this up. This is going to be like when the next one comes, oh, fooled you, all the clones died. No, my remembrance from last year is there's clones, there's a lot of them, and they do it better than they do it in this scene. Okay, well, that's something, because, yeah, this epilogue where she's threatening to come to Japan, I just don't hate Umbrella Corporation the way that they want me to. I hate Actually, them. you do hate them. <laughs> no, I hate them, but not the way that they want me to. I do not want to see them brought down because of their evil, nefarious plots. I'm just, they'll destroy themselves. You don't need to go after them. Their incompetence permeates everything they do. Yeah, and with no economy to to rule over, I guess there's really no reason to fear them. No, but she's going to hop a helicopter or, I don't know, she can't take the the ones that went to Alaska, but she'll figure out a way. We never see that Alaska crew again. Tell me that isn't some bullshit. They fly off to Alaska. These caravanning characters mattered so little. It's... By Felicia, and they go to... They're never thought of again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with that. And I'm not even sure who survived, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm pretty sure Claire... Did Kmart make it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. The cowboy died. LJ died. The bus driver died. The techie guy died. A bunch of nameless people died. But Kmart and Claire and... I smell spinoff. <laughs> <laughs> They can meet Dollar General. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot all about them, but I kind of liked this idea of going to Alaska as a pipe dream. And like, maybe they got on the helicopter and it crashed and they just never made it. That's, you know, they all they wanted was hope. They didn't want a destination. Or I like the thought of them flying over Sydney in the little uh, whirly-doo from Thunderdome. (laughs) The foot pedal. Yeah. Gyrocopter. So Justin Stewart. Do you recommend Resident Evil Extinction? Justin. 
Last week, I just was not feeling the franchise. None of that was working for me. The action scenes were kind of a yawner to me. Their their big boss wasn't anything that I was getting all excited about. The overall tone of that movie just kind of left me yawning. But this time around, the visual tone that they set with the sand and the desert and being out in the bright daylight, I feel like was the injection that I needed personally to revive my interest in watching this series. I've, I've had enough with the dark, wet, rainy hallways and underground bunkers. Well, this time they flipped it. It used to be the labs were white and outside was dark and wet. Well, now outside is hot and dry and the underground bunkers are cold and dank. So I, I kind of like that juxtaposition. Now, having said that, I'm going to have a lot of the same problems I've had with this this series all throughout. Characters I don't care about. Doing things that I don't really feel need to be done. But at the end, what it comes down to is, am I, am I having a good enough time following the journey of Alice? And when she gets put in action, am I enjoying watching her kick ass? And, you know, in this third installment... I enjoyed this more than the ass-kicking that I've seen up at any other point. So I'm not going to go out there and scream that this is my favorite Resident Evil movie, but it's the one I've enjoyed the most so far. So I'm going to mildly recommend it. Stuart. You know, I'm going to agree that the directorial touch here does immediately brighten things, that uh, it feels like a real course correction from that very disappointing apocalypse for, oh, I don't know, about 20, 25 minutes, but... I think when you're infected with a Paul W.S. Anderson script, you're just not going to live. I mean, you're you're going to die. And here, I'm dying of boredom. I really think that this movie is really a drag. Once we get all the characters back together and it's time to do something, yeah, it's it's painful. And the protracted climax in the lab is, is just killing me. It's an easy red arrow. But what I'm not sure of is when I'm mulling it over is ultimately, did it get worse than Apocalypse? It started off better, but I'm not so sure. I mean, this one, better directed, better shot, looks like it had more money, but it just becomes so monotonous. And all I know is, Arnie, you advocated to do this Resident Evil series knowing that you had already seen this movie. You knew <laughs> that doing this meant that you were going to see it a second time. I third, cannot. Third time. Oh, my God. I can't, I can't even imagine doing that. I mean, I would never want to watch really either movie again. I don't know. It's a Sophie's Choice in reverse. I mean, put them both in the oven. I, these, these two movies that we've had are, are awful. Justin, I completely get what you're saying. Fun time. It's the defense I gave the last movie. I can't give it to this movie. I'm watching it, and my interest started so high because of the cliffhanger. And yes, this is my third time watching this movie. But I'm not too proud to say I don't really pay attention to these movies when I'm watching them for fun. I'm paying attention to the action and chatting with my friends. I mean, when I watched these all last year, I didn't watch them alone. I had friends over. We were marathoning it together. And so I didn't pay close attention to the machinations of the plot. For now playing, it's me and my notepad. And I was so curious coming out of the last one, I couldn't remember. How did they follow it up? I liked the beginning, you know? Mia is really giving a female Clint Eastwood thing, man with no name vibe going on here in the early scenes. And 
I like the thought of the caravan. I like the concepts here. And yeah, I'll agree with Stuart that it's a little bit better looking, but the whys of what's happening here hurt my head. And then just watching this dullard go over and over in the Umbrella Corporation and watching this caravan try to just drive through the desert again and again. I wondered, because I went into the last movie thinking I didn't like it, then I checked my old rating and I did. I'm watching this one and I'm like, please God, don't tell me when I marathoned it last year, I thought this was good. And fortunately, I didn't. I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. It's a pretty solid red arrow. The worst so far, you would say. Wow, okay. Yeah, I've recommended two, so I'm on a downward slope. Interesting. And this is where I jumped off the series. Now, admittedly, I didn't even realize they were still making movies after this one. There was three years and not a lot of buzz before we got to the next film, Resident Evil Afterlife in 2010. By 2010, now playing was really taking up a hell of a lot of my time. I think I really became aware of it in 2012 with Retribution and the fact that these movies had gone to 3D and kind of looked cool. But I can't remember much of next week other than, yeah, it's Clone Media. I will never forget the movie next week, and I've never seen it, but I'll explain that uh, when we get there. But I'm so glad you're telling me that's the next movie, Arnie, because... When I watched my DVD, it said the next Resident Evil film was Degeneration? Yeah, I went ahead and watched that movie. I actually got excited when I saw that at a video store. I'm easily excited, if you can't tell. <laughs> Eternal Hope springs eternal with you. You're like, oh, yes, that was the worst thing I ever suffered through. But there's another one. <laughs> and it's animated. That would have turned me off. I got to say, just I watched five minutes of this, and just the quality of the animation had me running in horror. Well, I got excited thinking it was in the movie universe. You know, they did that with Starship Troopers. They got Casper Van Dien to do voices and things. It was in the movie universe, but an animated movie. There was, and you were excited, and you saw it, and you sat through the whole thing. I own it. (laughs) Of course. Of course. Please continue. So I thought this was going to be the continuing story of Alice and such, and... I never actually did watch it because, again, I was behind on these movies until recently. But for this retrospective, I decided, hey, that came out in 08. Let me pop it in and give it a watch. It has nothing to do with what we're discussing. It did have a brief theatrical release here in the States, kind of a promotional short-term release. But what this is, is a story that takes place in the video game universe between Resident Evil 4 and Resident Evil 5. And it follows the protagonist of 4, Leon S. Kennedy, who is a character that will be popping up later in the movie franchise. And he is trapped in an airport along with Claire Redfield, Allie Larder's character, who was also one of the protagonists where they met in Resident Evil 2, and dealing with a zombie outbreak and government cover-up and umbrella stuff. And yeah, the animation style is god-awful. It felt like a never-ending cutscene from Resident Evil 4. The voice acting isn't great. I couldn't get out of my head. Allison Court plays the voice of Claire, 
but she was also the voice of Jubilee in the 90s X-Men cartoon, so I just couldn't not hear that. And I couldn't believe how long it went. Like, halfway through the movie, I'm like, hey, there's the big action-packed climax. No, there's 45 minutes left. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell any reason why anyone should bother watching it? Is there something revealed about a video game character that was impressive? Or was there a really clever scenario in which they escaped a zombie? Anything good? There's some pretty decent fight scenes with these computer characters and they do try to do cinematic things with it i think the opening is pretty cool in the airport oh whoa i saw the opening okay well thank <laughs> that's you. the best part <laughs> oh wow okay well then i saw what i needed I'm, you asked me to pay compliments i'm giving it what i can it's a strong not recommend the only reason to watch it i've looked at this very seriously and it gets down to How deep does your fandom go? Like, I'm thinking about Star Wars. Your average person is going to watch the Star Wars movies and maybe not even see things like Rogue One that aren't episode numbers. The deeper you get, you see all the movies, then you watch the TV shows, then you watch, like, the supplemental direct-to-video stuff, and then you get to the novels. Now, do you have to read the novels? Absolutely not. But if you just want to consume it all... There's books and there's games. Well, with Resident Evil, I think the movies and the games vie for the number one position. The movies are pretty successful, so are the games. I don't know which sold more. But if you want to get deeper into the movie universe, there are novelizations. If you want to get deeper into the game universe, you just love the stories they're telling and the evolution of evil corporations they're not always umbrella and how that's going this is more i personally just wanted to grab a game controller but this is more of those characters doing what you probably liked seeing them do in cutscenes. Mm. i like cutscenes when i'm playing it gives you a break you can get a drink and stretch and you feel rewarded for hard work when you get to see a movie screen but i don't want to watch a movie of cutscenes. Yeah, that doesn't sound too enticing to me. No, and at times it just... It, I'm playing PlayStation 4 games these days, and this definitely felt like PlayStation 2 to 3 graphics. But it was 08, I'm being a little hard on it. But no, glad we're not covering it for a full show. Not recommend. And there's another one I gotta watch. Better you than me, it sounds like. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll like it better, or at least find something to get excited about. Yeah, Resident Evil Damnation. We'll talk about it when we get there. That cliffhanger is got me more than the cliffhanger that we just experienced. Mm-hmm. And speaking of cliffhangers, if you've sat around wondering what reviews were given to some of our old donation series, like Alien, Child's Play, Night of the Living Dead, and the Romero Dead films, so many donation series we've done in the past... We are getting them all out for our 10th anniversary. You can find them at our Podbean page. Links are from our homepage. If you've been wanting to hear those shows, you now have a chance. So head to our page and check it out. And Justin Stewart, thank you for joining me. And until next week, game over. dreams there would be this many of us left alive so what's next 
always say, we live up to the promise. This is Arcadia, broadcasting on the emergency frequency. There is no infection. Repeat, there is no infection. We offer safety and security, food and shelter. If you are out there, we will help you. There is hope. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing's Resident Evil Retrospective Series. When I get out of here, I think I'm gonna get laid. Yeah. <laughs> Might want to clean up a little bit first. We hope that you've enjoyed the show. I'm missing you already. Would you like to continue? Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com next week to hear another Resident Evil movie review. One way or another, our world is coming to an end. The question is... Would we end with it? And visit the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives for reviews of other films, including Blade, Hellboy, The Shining, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and more. I've been a bad, bad girl. Find hundreds of movie review podcasts at NowPlayingPodcast.com and come back each week for another new movie review. For so long, I thought you were the future. I was wrong. (laughs) I am the future. Also at NowPlayingPodcast.com forward slash book, you can order Now Playing's film review collection, Underrated Movies We Recommend. This book has 125 reviews about films you probably haven't seen, but you should. Good thing we like a challenge. Want to take part in the discussion? Join the Now Playing hosts at our forums, where you and the other listeners can give your thoughts on this movie review. The links to our forums is at nowplayingpodcast.com. I told you I'd be bringing a few friends. You should have brought more. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. The links to our social media pages can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. I always knew you'd be drawn to your friends. Insert coins to keep playing. Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. I didn't think any of you would make it this far. Not without infection. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Everyone is grateful for you helping us out. We really are grateful. You can also support our show and get dozens of bonus movie reviews. But I can offer you something you want very much. What is that? For Now Playing's 10th anniversary, we have opened the vaults. And at our Podbean page, you can donate and get archived movie reviews, including the Night of the Living Dead series, Alien, Return of the Living Dead, Jaws, The Exorcist, Jurassic Park, and more. We're reopening the hive. Links to all these reviews can be found in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives section. Humanity will cease to exist unless you return to the hive. You can also join our Podbean crowdfunding campaign to help our show grow. Backers of $10 or more will receive exclusive bonus podcast reviews. We're going to need more ammo. You can also help out Now Playing by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. A link to Now Playing's iTunes listing can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. I'm gonna kill you. Perhaps. But first you have work to do. Now Playing is produced by Arnie Carvalho. I can't remember much before all this started. Sometimes I feel like this has been my whole life. 
Now Playing's Resident Evil series is edited by David, Heath, and Arnie. I don't want to be one of those things walking around without a soul. Now Playing credit narration by Brock. This is what I do. The Resident Evil films and all movie audio and music are the property of its respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. Hey boys, bad idea. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts, and may not reflect the opinion of Vinganza Media Incorporated. I have no reason to believe a word you say. Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2017, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. I want her quarantined, close observation, and a full series of blood tests. Let's see if she's infected. Take her to the Raccoon City facility. Then assemble the team. I want to know what went on down there. Just do it. Stars. We're not looking for originality. If they want to take what has been done before and give it a New Jack remix, then, you know, I shouldn't use New Jack because the New Jack is Old Jack at this point. <laughs> if they want to give it a remix... Stars. So, I did read a book that says <laughs> that... For this movie? No, no, no. I, I, I'm trying to remember... I can't... God, I can't remember the name of it. I, that's why I'm just going to leave it vague. Stars. Go for it. In fact, Kmart probably paid for this because you know what happened around this time? They fucking went bankrupt. Not only did they take all of their employees' retirement, they took my fucking money because I own stock in those fuckers. And then they came back and bought Sears. <laughs> you own stock in Kmart? <laughs> I thought they were going to come pull out of it. I thought I'd make a fortune. Oh, my God. The mighty return of Kmart. Oh, my God. Yeah, they had a mighty return for a while after declaring bankruptcy and devaluing my stock. So, fuck <laughs> Kmart, but they probably thought this was good publicity. <laughs> Stars. The World Without Us. That's what it was called. The World Without Us. That's the name of the fucking book. <laughs> Well, that's a little late. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you can fix it in editing. That was like an hour ago. <laughs> Just give give me a line. Say, I read a book called... Mm -hmm. You know, I read a book... What did I say it was? The World Without Us. <laughs> okay, there we go, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to love this blue book. Okay. Stars. You know what? He's not coming back. He's too busy playing Uncle Buck on the Uncle Buck TV series. Cancelled. Oh. oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe we'll make another Friday movie and he can be in that. Uh, we'll probably be covering him again. It looks like he's in the remake of Death Wish. Oh, boy. When did that come in? According to IMDb uh, 2017. Oh, okay. Directed by Eli Roth. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Gets better all the time. Ugh. Make him go away. Those I don't mind him as an actor. I just wish he'd stop directing. Yes, I really do. Stars. Did Kmart make it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, you can't stop Kmart unless you're an investor. <laughs> Stars. And Justin Stewart, thank you for joining me. And until next week, game over. All right, all right, all right. All right.
<laughs> so Justin, welcome to the post midnight recording times of now playing. Woohoo! Kind of, kind of had a feeling. Stars. <laughs>